Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. All right. Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. I am the legendary Burl Bear. Welcome to True Crime Uncensored, America's premier true crime podcast. Sitting next to me, much to my amazement, fact checker and co-host, Mark Boyer. Hello. Hello. I think our producer... Magic Man Allen got a brand new audio processor because the show sounds really good. <laughs> That's because I can tell the difference. Because in 14 years of doing this program, we personally have done nothing to improve it. Now, I don't know if he's called in yet or not because Man hasn't told me. Hello, guest. Are you there, Nick, or not? Hello. Hello, Nick. Welcome back. Hey, thank you. Hey, we were talking, but we'll say a little bit about the Franklin scandal. And, you know, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it says it never happened, which you've probably seen. It says it's a hoax, a conspiracy theory. We know better than yeah. that. Although one of your sources in Franklin scandal, as you probably know, as I mentioned on, uh, on our website, was a few pancakes short of a breakfast. Uh, <laughs> what source was that? Uh, he was a, a law enforcement person that is known to have been delusional and senile at the time of your interview. But that's okay because you had enough other uh, background stuff. And you've had people who were involved on your podcast recently. So it's... Yeah. Uh, I had a woman who wouldn't recant her abuse. And uh, she was indicted on uh, 16 counts of perjury when she was 21 years old. And she was looking at 200 years in prison. And she still refused to recant her abuse. And it came, now this is a kid who had been trafficked as an adolescent. Mm -hmm. And she was sentenced to nine and 15 years in prison for perjury. And the authorities really tried to destroy her because they put her in solitary for almost two years. Oh, that's... I think that's basically cruel and unusual punishment. And uh, she's, um, she was the first interview on my podcast. Her name is Alicia Owen. Well, it's a hell of a story, and I have my own theory on this. I'll run it by you. I think it is essentially a true story. I think that in order to discredit it, to use the same technique or the same problem that the individuals who've been traumatized run into, and that is... They start sounding nuts because of the trauma, right? Yeah. And so if you could tack on to this true story, BS about, oh, the black magic and someone else had a nuclear reactor up there took us and, you know, <laughs> then, hey, 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 you know, then it, don't it, tell makes anybody the, about it. it makes the whole thing sound baloney. But I think that was done intentionally by people to discredit the whole thing. Absolutely, and if you go to the Wikipedia page, actually, you can go to my website, nickbryantnyc.com, and I show you how the Wikipedia page has been taken over by very uh, malignant editors with, with, with definite agendas. Well, obviously, they don't sure quote they, you at all. Well, to make sure that they, they are, to keep this as marginalized as possible, because... As we with the Franklin scandal, you had a, a network trafficking children nationwide, and it, it was mostly Republicans pandering um, little boys to other Republicans. And with Epstein, you've got something quite similar, except you've got Democrats pandering little girls to Democrats, and both of them are connected to intelligence. Both of them are connected to blackmail. 
and the reason why it's been attacked like it has on Wikipedia is the government does not, or the dark malignant corner of the government that does this type of thing, or dark malignant corner of intelligence that does this type of thing, doesn't want Americans to know that this is going on. And, and I, Epstein is just another example of it. Well, that's what Mark and I were talking about, part of the program, is that every time someone, like with Jeffrey Epstein, every time someone said, this guy is doing this stuff, they said, step down, stand down. Why? Intelligence. Intelligence says stand down. So I figure, if he's getting dirt on Trump and Clinton and this person and that person and blackmailing them, the same thing is being done to foreign dignitaries, uh, foreign ambassadors, or uh, people like that, and they're using this intelligence to get things they want from these other countries. Am I correct, you think? Yes, but here's the thing about that. Epstein, by himself, could not compromise some of the most powerful men in the world. There was obviously an organization behind him that told these people, if you try to hurt Epstein, there'll be severe retribution. Like Wes Wexner signed over his fortune to Jeffrey Epstein, gave him a power of attorney over everything. Hmm. And Wexner is hugely mobbed up. I wrote an article for the Sheer Post about Epstein. And uh, so there's no, if, if, if Epstein was trying to shake Wexner down, and Epstein was just an, uh, a college dropout from Coney Island, which he was, Wexner would just have to call up his buddies in the Genovese crime family and say, get rid of this guy. But that, that did not happen. No, not at all. You know, it's, I think Americans, by, by and large, are incredibly naive on the depth of corruption uh, within our own system. Uh, you'd think we'd figure it out by now. <laughs> but well, people, When people make a mistake is they think that it's uh, money that corrupts, and, and, and that's certainly the case. But there's also this other component of, of blackmail. Yeah. And that that makes it, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Um, I also wrote a book called Confessions of a DC Madam: The Politics of Sex, Lies, and Blackmail. Mm, love it. And um, it was the guy who was running the escort service. It was a gay escort service. Um, he was providing male prostitutes to Larry Craig. And Larry Craig was a very, very conservative guy from Idaho. He, his, I think he had the worst voting record in gay right, on gay rights in, uh, in the Senate. He was, he was a U.S. representative for many years, and then he was ultimately a senator for a number of years. He was in Washington, D.C. for 25 years. And he was getting male prostitutes from uh, Henry Vincent, the guy who I wrote the book with, and he was getting prostitutes from other places because Kirby Dick's uh, documentary Outrage showed that he was also getting prostitutes from people that had nothing to do with Henry. And then he's picked up in a bathroom at the Minneapolis International Airport trying to pick up a, a vice squad cop. I remember a, that. I remember in that. A stall. Yes. And. 
So how could that guy, he was in Washington, D.C. for 25 years. He's running around uh, having gay liaisons with gay escorts. He's trying to pick guys up in bathrooms. How hard would it be to compromise that guy? I mean, a, a college kid or a, a high school kid with a smartphone and an after-school project would probably <laughs> I like that. And then you've got Dennis Haster. Dennis Haster um, was the Speaker of the House. Constitutionally, he was the, the third most powerful man in the country. And... He had pedophilic predations going back 30, 40 years. And the FBI, according to Sibylle Edmonds, an FBI whistleblower, said that the FBI knew about his behavior because he went to a certain townhouse of repute near Chicago. And it's very obvious to me that he, too, was compromised. And after he was Speaker of the House, he was uh, outed as a, as a pedophile after he was Speaker of the House. Not during, and, after. And, and here's the interesting thing, and I don't know quite why he was outed, but I think he might have gotten a little greedy. When I was writing the Franklin scandal, I got to one of the blackmail photographers. Mm. And... He told me, and I, and I said, well, how, do, how does this work? And he said, it's, it's like you're on a yacht, and it's a beautiful day. And you can have anything you want on this yacht. Um, but if you decide to get off the yacht, the people on the yacht are going to make sure that you drown. And so there's zero incentive for people to get off the yacht. Now, I don't know what happened to Dennis Hastert because those charges easily could have been quashed by the FBI or Department of Justice. But it's obvious to me that he wasn't listening to someone that he should have been listening to. Mm. It, uh, it seems so obvious in retrospect when we talk about it. Yes. But on the day-to-day, -day, I mean, you look at the charges against Epstein at first, but one charge of soliciting a prostitute. Yeah. Big whoopee deal. You know, I think that's a misdemeanor here in Hollywood. Either that or you get a plaque for it. Uh, I'm not sure which. <laughs> maybe, you might get, maybe you might get both in Hollywood. Yeah. And it, you know, they give you an award if you do it more than five times. Uh, Absolutely. But with, uh, with the thing with the trafficking and all that, what do you think was the reason why they finally came down so harsh on Epstein? The thing is, uh, Craig Spence and the Franklin scandal basically had the same position of Jeffrey Epstein. And Craig Spence was a, he lived in Washington, D.C. He was a power broker. His house was wired for audiovisual blackmail. We know that uh, Epstein's house in Florida was had hidden cameras because when the Palm Beach Police Department served a warrant, they came across hidden cameras. We know from two different sources that Epstein's home in New York had a bunch of hidden cameras. And then we've also learned from a Vanity Fair article that the island that in the Virgin Islands that he owned also had hidden cameras. What an ironic name. The Virgin yes. Islands. <laughs> and the thing with Epstein and also with Spence is that these guys were out there compromising some of the most powerful men in the world and yet what and they did so for years, but when they started getting press, that's when both of them 
were taken down. Um, Craig Spence started getting a lot of press about running a blackmail operation, and Epstein started, there was that Miami Herald series of articles that opened up about Epstein and showed just how corrupt the government had been and prosecuting him. And then, and then at that point, he was taken down. And I think that he had, like, I believe that he was part of a larger intelligence network, but when his safe was opened, he had scores of DVDs. Yes, uh, I was going to ask you about that. More than scores. Scores yes, of people yes. scoring. <laughs> yes. and, and, and with the names right on, right on the DVDs. Here's yes. Trump stripping uh, Sally Pivnik. You know, here's Clinton doing this. Uh, yes. Where are those DVDs, Cold Doubloons and Pieces of Eight? Where are they? Well, we do not know at this point. Um, the FBI seems to have lost them. This is very funny because um, the Justice Department said that the, the case on Jeffrey Epstein was closed. So I sent a FOIA in saying that since the case is closed, I don't want, I certainly don't want the DVDs, but I'd like to get reports on the DVDs. And then I was sent an email back from the Department of Justice or FBI that the case was ongoing. So, oh, really? Yes. It's ongoing out of your vision. <laughs> it's ongoing even though he's dead. Yeah, we, we still want to interview him. <laughs> I, I think so, it's just because, well, they could always play the national security card. We can't yeah. let you have this. It involves national security. Well, that's how they got out of it in, uh, in Palm Beach in Florida, is because Alexander Acosta, who is the U.S. attorney, was told that Epstein was intelligent. Because the feds at that point had a list of 34 victims, underage victims of Epstein. And... They were going to prosecute him, but then Alexander Costa was told to back off from Epstein because he was intelligent. Yeah, he was confidential informant for our boys. He was a patriotic American. Well, he was a confidential informant. He was a blackmail artist. He actually wore seven, uh, several different hats, Jeffrey Epstein. He was a very talented guy. Yeah, no pants, several hats. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, he had some very strange... Um, Sexual predilections, but I, I won't get into that. Oh, either. I wish you would. I'd find it vastly entertaining. He got these young girls, and at least you know, the mainstream media has said has made the demarcation of fourteen. But I know that at least one of them that litigated against him was thirteen at the time, and I've been told by a good source that some of these kids were under ten years old. Oh my God, that's and, horrifying. And that's, um, now, I don't know if Epstein was into the younger ones, but yeah, Epstein was a psychopath. If someone wanted someone under, if, if one of these perps wanted a kid under 10 years old, Epstein wouldn't have a problem getting the kid. So that's, uh, there, there's so much that the mainstream media has kept from us. Um, well, they don't want to offend us with facts. It's, yeah, it's, the mainstream media has been into digging up salacious dirt on Epstein. There, there's been no call for justice whatsoever. Well, that's because, as we used to say about the Watergate, uh, they all wore turtlenecks because the cover-up goes all the way to the top. Uh, it's the same sort of thing here. Uh, he would brag, Epstein uh, allegedly would brag, that he has dirt on all these people. 
and they had DVDs of uh, of President Trump, of President Clinton, uh, doing strange things to strange people. Uh, why not? I mean, if you got that kind of dirt on somebody, you can put some heavy pressure on them to do what you want. But again, this wasn't Epstein by himself. Oh, hell no. This, this was uh, Epstein and an organization behind him. And plus, I have a tendency to think that uh, Clinton and Trump were already compromised. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of these guys are just on the yacht, and they're compromised. They're not going to get off the yacht, so they're provided with whatever they want. And that's how that works. Well, once, uh, you know, they always say, beware of someone who wants to be your friend too quickly. Uh, I would beware of someone who wants to say, oh, would you like a 10-year-old? And if you do, I wouldn't take it if I were you. Uh, there's got to be an underlying motive besides wanting to be your friend to give you that. You know. Uh, <clears throat> what, what really bothers me this about the whole thing. Yes, Mark? Uh, from uh, the perspective of the blackmailer, maybe Epstein, you're talking about individuals from other countries, from uh, other republics, not necessarily benign. And the elite, powerful, wealthy within the world. Any, any of these individuals would be capable of dropping a dime on this person. Regardless of what, uh, what they had on them. If the person's gone, the material is gone, and the problem goes away. And what, we had to wait until he was in jail before he, in air quotes, hangs himself? Yes, it's, it's pretty mind-boggling that the American public, and I got, I got to say, William Barr was the attorney general that covered up the Franklin scandal, and he just happened to be under Bush one, and, and then he just happened to be the attorney general under Trump that covers up the Epstein scandal. And if you look into William Barr's history, he's done a lot of nefarious things. And what's really interesting is that his father was the, the headmaster at Dalton School, this uh, very ritzy, affluent school for New York, the kids of New York aristocrats. And William Barr's father hired Epstein to be a math teacher without even a college degree. Aha. Uh -huh. Some insider trading going on. Yes, yes. It's, uh, it's very interesting how some of these guys just, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like um, how drug addicts find each other. I'm, I'm sure that, that pedophiles work the same way. They just find each other. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, earthworms. You know, earthworms can be digging through the dirt, and they can encounter another earthworm, and immediately they know all about them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, they they wiggle and they're in the earth. Well, no, they really they really can tell all about them just from encountering them that they are another earthworm. Glenn <laughs> yeah. Maxwell told a former sixty Minutes producer that Epstein had tapes on both Trump and Clinton, which is kind of interesting. Well, I'm not surprised. Uh, we knew that I mean, Clinton admitted it being a sex addict. Uh, or having, you know, uh, obsessive uh, thoughts and uh, behavior in that direction. I remember when Trump said, someone asked him, what do you and your daughter have in common? And he said sex, which I thought was a very strange answer. <laughs> yes, when Donald Trump talks about his daughter, it gets, uh, it gets a little uh, spooky. Yeah, that kind of just made my skin crawl like an earthworm when I heard that. I, th I also think it's a little dangerous to 
put that kind of, of information out without confirmation that they exist and the participants that may have been there. The implication is, is that they were having sex with underage individuals, and that may not be the case. They may have been having sex with adults. That's right. Or adulterers. Yeah. Right. And they're, you know, then it's just a, uh, an adultery scandal instead of a child pedophilia scandal. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%, because some of those guys like uh, women in their, like, late teens and early 20s, and some of them like uh, younger children. I mean, and unfortunately, because the government did not investigate this properly, um, we don't know which of these perpetrators like adults and which, which of these perpetrators like uh, children. Well, Virginia Dupree named a number of people that molested her as a minor. One was uh, Democratic Senate Majority Leader George Mitchell. Um, one was, uh, let me see here, uh, one was uh, Bill Richard, the uh, former governor of uh, New Mexico, and also uh, Clinton's energy czar. One was Bruce King, the former uh, governor of New Mexico. One was uh, Glenn Dubin, a multi-billionaire. Um, one was Les Wexner, the, a multi-billionaire. So she named these these people as perpetrators, and she's gone up and 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 Donald Dershowitz too, and she's gone up against Maxwell against for libel, and and Maxwell showing the best lawyers that Harry possibly could, and she won. She went up against uh, Prince Andrew, um, and Prince Andrew is the best lawyers at her, and she won. Now she just has to litigate with Donald Dershowitz, who's lying about the thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Dersh uh, he's got problems. The thing about Dershowitz is when I, I got the Black Book in 2012, I got Epstein's Black Book in 2012, and um, no one would touch it in mainstream media. No one would touch it. I, I, I pitched it to uh, every major media outlet. Well, do you think they were told not to touch it? Because I can't well, imagine any, anybody not wanting it unless they were told don't touch it. Well, finally, Gawker was able to put it up on the Internet, so I put it up on the Internet via Gawker. And we and Alan Dershowitz, before that time, um, had told... When Alan Dershowitz's name first uh, was mentioned here with in association with child abuse, he said that he, he told the American lawyer that he only flew with his wife and his daughter. Well... I had passenger manifests of Alan Dershowitz flying with Tatiana and Claire and a number of women who we don't know their last names. So uh, Donald, his skill trap mind was a little rusty for that American lawyer interview. Yeah, uh, apparently. That's uh, that, that is fascinating. But, um, the black book had uh, items circled in it. Yes. Um, did you ever find out the motive for circling some of those names? Okay, so what happened was Epstein's house manager, Alfredo Rodriguez, um, he purloined Epstein's black book. And then he tried to sell it to one of the, the attorneys who were representing some of Epstein's victims. And the attorney told the FBI, and the FBI did a sting, and then, uh, and then we ultimate, I, I ultimately got it. 
through um, someone else. But um, yes, Rodriguez circled names of people that he saw in Florida that were in cahoots with Jeffrey Epstein. And some of the names he circled were Jean-Luc Brunel, who was um, a, a very, very, uh, he was a, he, he ran MC Squared, which is a modeling agency that was financed by Epstein. And I said 15 minutes did a thing on him because he was fond of grouping underage girls. Um, in addition to circling Jean-Luc Brunel's name, Bill Richardson's name was circled, Ben Duba's name was circled, um, Eva Anderson's name was circled, and uh, that's, she's married to Glenn Dubin. Ahud Barak, um, the former prime minister of Israel, his name was circled. Les Wexner's name was circled. So you can see that a number of the circled names align with the perpetrators that Virginia Dufresne matches um, in her depositions. Now, has she been able to get any uh, financial recompense from uh, these people or their estates whatsoever? Um, she got a good settlement from Epstein, and then she got millions from Maxwell, and she got millions. I think it's up to. I, I think she might have gotten up to twelve million from Prince Andrew. His mommy came through and and paid. Well, she should uh, siphon some of that loot off to you for all the work you've done getting this thing out there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I'm certainly tried. You know, writing about trafficking networks. Wasn't the most lucrative career move I could have made. <laughs> no, probably not. It probably also endangered your life. I quote you quite often where I say the thing working in true crime is you know you're on the right track when you get death threats. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've only had one of those, but, uh, but there, there's been some very strange uh, things that have happened in addition to that death threat. Because uh, I don't know, but I think virtually every true crime investigator gets on something where they get threatened. And uh, I'm sure you have, I have. Uh, I had a policeman come to my house and said, can my dog sniff your car? And I said, if the dog has a license, he can drive my car. What's your problem? <laughs> what? I had uh, a couple of uh, Nebraska State Patrol officers Pulled me over, I was doing, um, I think I was doing 68 in a 65. Uh-oh. And uh, they pulled me over, they immediately put me, I, I opened the Franklin scanner with the scene, they immediately put me in a, uh, in a cruiser, and then they ripped the entire car apart. And they used, and they had dogs too. And um, we were in the middle of nowhere, and that was the most frightened I've been throughout all this work is because, I didn't trust those cops at all. Those, there, there's something dirty about at least the first one. And um, the second one just seemed to be another um, dull-witted Nebraska yeah. State guy who was overweight. But the first guy wasn't. He struck me as someone out of Langley. Yeah, <laughs> probably was. Yeah, and um, he, had a, he had an agenda. And what happened was I was looking for blackmail pictures on that particular trip. And I'm very, very glad that I did not get blackmail pictures on that particular trip. He would have arrested you for possession of blackmail pictures. Yes, well, well the thing is, before I took off to go get those blackmail, now I was relying on this blackmail photographer and uh, needless to say, people that 
take pictures of adults and children in compromising positions isn't going to be the paragon of ethics. Yeah. So, um, but he, I, I, was, I agreed to help him. He was having some legal difficulties, and I agreed to help him if he gave me blackmail pictures. And uh, so that, but before I took off to Nebraska to find the blackmail pictures, or he took me on the swell goose chase for blackmail pictures, I made a video of what I was doing. And if I should get busted with said pictures, then it's in the name of this. So I had my, I, I was backed up before I went. Uh, right. And I did that quite a bit when I went into uh, Nebraska and other places. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I find it fascinating when when law enforcement comes after true crime writers because the law enforcement person is dirty and they think you're going to out them and you didn't know they were dirty and you were going to out them until they came after you. <laughs> which is which is what I had happened to me. Uh, I was investigating a, a case uh, of uh, what I thought was a wrongful conviction and uh, all of a sudden this cop is all over me like a cheap suit and I don't know what his problem is. Uh, he's threatening me for going to this one guy's house that he'd busted for marijuana two years before. Big, And so I, I happened to be talking to my daughter, and uh, my daughter knew why. I didn't, but my daughter did because she happened to work in a restaurant with the daughter of this man's mistress. And the, what the man had done is he'd taken uh, an ounce of cocaine from the uh, police uh, evidence locker and given it to his mistress as a gift. And uh, he thought I knew that, and he thought I was going to out him in my true crime career. I didn't know about it until he came after me. Otherwise, I would have never known. Well, you've got a precocious kid. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, well, yeah, she's a smart cookie. She, she, she knew more about the true crime situation in that story than I did. <laughs> Just for working in a restaurant. But that's what happens in a small town. My motto is, I learned, don't write a true crime story about where you live. <laughs> I'm, uh, I live in the heart of Manhattan, so it's easy for me to get lost. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been there. <laughs> Guess I mean, there's a whole world unto itself. Are you still affiliated with the BBC? No, I. You know, I was never affiliated with the BBC. There's another Nick Bryant out there that is also a journalist and an author, um, and how you can tell us apart it is. He's much better looking than I am. Oh, well, which one are you? The one that looks like Jim Rockford or the one that looks like uh, Granny Peters? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I'd like to say Jim Rockford, but I think it might be that other Nick Bryan. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I guess you're too confused when I look you up on the Internet. It's uh, Yeah, he's, he's better looking than I am. I mean, I think I might have some pre-thinking abilities that he doesn't, but uh -huh. I have yet to meet him, so I don't know. You don't know. So you weren't the BBC guy then? I am not the BBC guy. Now, well, it's a good thing that you, uh, uh, I can edit this show because I can take out the opening where I talk about you being with the BBC. So I'll edit oh, that good, out. Good, good. <laughs> we'll, that we'll, we'll clip that out. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do that. So he's not the good looking guy that I put up on my website. <laughs> no, you know, it's, I mean, there's pictures of me that you can get. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not bad looking, but, you know, he's much better looking than I am. Uh, okay. We got that squared away. Now, uh, I find it interesting is that when the Franklin Scandal book first came out and uh, I had you on the show, gosh, that goes, that's going back several years because I've been doing this show for 14 years now. 
So I don't know how many years ago that was, whatever the book came out. And you told me then, uh, I think man was either off the air or just in private conversation. He said, well, that's the one the Republicans had going. I think I'm on to one the Democrats have going now. Well, that was at least five, six, seven, eight years ago. Was that the Epstein one then that you were just getting into? Yeah, I got into Epstein in 2012. Yeah. And I knew what Epstein was about pretty quickly. I got the Black Book in 2012. And at that point, I started, I, there's like scores of victims in the Black Book, as well as the circle perpetrators and perpetrators who aren't circled. And I started making calls off the record to the victims, and they were telling me that Epstein had flown them to his island. And then at that point, I realized that I was dealing with a, with a pedophile network um, in 2012. And since I've been trying to out these power broker pedophile networks, uh, the mainstream media has not been favorable to me. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine why. Well, what you're—I mean, what you're doing is you're going to the underbelly of how this country really works, which is downright criminal. No matter what administration it is. Uh, the, the, yeah, I mean, people think that like a friend of mine was an editor at a at a mainstream magazine that has a very good name, and he told his boss about my work. And his boss, now this is a woman that's the editor-in-chief of a major magazine that intellectuals look to. Um, she said that she didn't think that blackmail was involved in our political process. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Jeez. And so with a lot of these people, they don't even have to be compromised. They're just idiots. And, and they don't have the free thinking capacity to realize that there's other mechanisms involved in our government that makes it so perfidious. You know, the uh, the book that Frank Gerardo uh, and I are finishing up right now, it should be coming out in the next 12 months, uh, tentative can, uh, title is To Live and Lie in Los Angeles, involves uh, the Russian mob, it involves confidential informants, uh, it involves all manner of bizarre nonsense, uh, homeless kids being exploited. And uh, I look at this thing, here you have confidential informants uh, who are you know, informing for the FBI at the same time they're in organized crime. It just gets insane. The, the, the linkage is so tight that they can get away with all, all manner of nonsense. And they're protected so much that even in this particular case, I don't want to reveal too many spoilers here, you have a situation where confidential informant sets up somebody on a murder charge. And it's, it is a classic case of entrapment. And the attorney, defense attorney, who says to the rest of the team, this is the most blatant example of entrapment I've ever seen in my career. That should be the defense. The other attorneys fire that person, say, no, shut up. I mean, they're obviously being told from somewhere up above, don't use that defense. Don't out this guy. We're getting too much information from him. When I think about corruption and confidential informants, I, I look at Sammy the Bull Gravano. He was responsible. I mean, on the record, the feds admitted that he murdered 19 people or took part in murdering 19 people. 
And, but actually, that number was much higher, and Gotti appealed his sentence on the fact that, uh, or his guilty appellate went through the appeals court, um, that Ravano had killed more people. So I think the feds had a sit-down, and they had a focus group on how many homicides can we attribute to Sammy the Bull Gravano. If we go into the 20s, they're, they're going to be, uh, it's going to be like Ted Bundy-like numbers. So let's just stick <laughs> it in the teens at 19. Yeah, but if we it's okay. Low, if he only killed 18 people, that's all right. If he goes over 20, that's bad press. But here's the thing. He got five years in prison for killing, for admittedly killing 19 people. Okay, you got how many years in prison for killing 19 people? Five Five. years? Nine years? years. That's a bargain. I wrote an article on it, and uh, it's pretty stunning, the malfeasance that went on there. It's, uh, I mean, the, uh, like I said, the corruption is so endemic uh, because they're so used to it. I mean, that's how things have gotten done and people have been squeezed forever. You know, since the beginning. Uh, it's so unethical, but that's the operational reality. Now, what was it that uh, Epstein's uh, girlfriend, Suzanne, uh, whatever her name is, said about these girls? They were trash. Find a way to yeah. talk about the, the people that you're working with. Uh, or explain. Well, you know, traffickers, they're, I mean, traffickers, she was as much of a trafficker as Epstein. And traffickers aren't known for their compassion and their love. And they just objectified these little girls, and they treated these little girls like like objects. I mean, they were really nasty. Um, and some of these girls were pandered to very powerful guys who were sadists, who who really get off on on beating up and raping little girls that are served to them on a silver platter. Well, that's fairly disgusting. Do they pay these kids any decent money for all their pain and suffering? Um, with Epstein, they were given two hundred dollars a session. I'm sure that um, if. Epstein pandered you to a rich and powerful guy who beat you up. It probably gave you 400 I, I don't know. Well, gee, that's not a very good deal. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, it's not. I, I, would, I would not take that deal. Say, hey, hey, Nick. Uh, our hour's uh, uh, already. <laughs> oh, hey, Nick. Yes. Well, I'm really sorry, man. Oh, that's okay, man. I'll tell you, we'll have you back again in the very near future. We'll pick up on this, all right? Okay, and uh, yeah, I just, I've been running around uh, this last week. has been insane, and I just was expecting you to call me. I'm sitting at my desk, and... Uh, <laughs> but where the hell's the Burl Bear? Okay, all right. don't Thank get shot. Don't get us. shot between now and then, okay? okay? You guys have a great day. Thanks, hey, well, Thanks. Hey, Burl. Yeah. Besides James Bond, what's next? Magic Matt Allen, the Demons of Decadence. Live for the Light of Lounge and LRRadioLive.com.